Good evening, and welcome to another in our series of good music concerts from the Watergate on the banks of the beautiful Potomac in Washington, D.C. Broadcast live over the facilities of WAMU and the Educational Radio Network. This evening, as each Friday evening, the United States Air Force Band will present an entertaining summer evening concert. Tonight's concert will be unusual in that it will be featuring both the concert band and the orchestra, and that it begins a half hour earlier due to its added length. The orchestra, under Captain John Yesolaitis, will be featured in the first half. After an intermission, Colonel George S. Howard will conduct the concert band. It works by Tchaikovsky, Francesca Chilea, Louis Hosmer, and Lehar. In just a few moments, the orchestral portion of the program will be brought to you. Right now, the concert audience is being entertained by the United States Air Force Band Drum and Bugle Corps. And now the orchestral portion of the program is about to begin as Captain John Yosilaitis waits in the wings of a large barge for his introduction by Staff Sergeant Harry Gleason. Watergate and another in a series of Friday evening concerts presented by the United States Air Force through the cooperation of the National Park Service. This evening we will be featuring both the Air Force Symphony Orchestra and Symphonic Band. Our soloists will be violinist Airman First Class James Keene and tenor soloist Sergeant Brown Bradley. This is your announcer, Sergeant Harry Gleason. We open our program with the overtures of the opera Ruslan and Ludmila by Michael Glinka. Glinka is best remembered as the Russian composer who first introduced the national style into his music. For his second opera, Ruslan and Ludmila, he used for the first time oriental musical effects, as have so many Russian composers since his time. The opera was first performed in St. Petersburg in 1842, but to our knowledge has not been performed in the United States. The overture, however, is one of the most popular in the repertoire of orchestras throughout the world. We open our program with Ruslan and Ludmila Overture by Glinka. And now our director for this first portion of our concert, the associate conductor of the United States Air Force Symphony Orchestra, Captain John F. Yosilaitis. Captain Yosilaitis.
Polish violinist, Henri Wianowski, was a child prodigy and enrolled in the Paris Conservatory of Music at the unusually early age of eight years. He eventually became one of the eminent violinists of the last century. As a composer, however, he met with little success with the exception of his violin concertos, which are world-renowned. Our soloist for this evening's program is violinist Airman First Class James Keane, who, although only 18 years of age, has attained a great deal of success in music. At the age of 13, he appeared as guest soloist with the Curtis Institute Orchestra under the direction of Eugene Ormandy, and has attended the Curtis Institute since the age of 13. For his Watergate debut, he has chosen to present two movements from Wianowski's second violin concerto in D minor. The movements are marked Romance and Finale alla Zingara. And now, our soloist for the evening, Airman First Class, James Keane.
Zoltan Kodai's Dances from Galanta were written in 1933 to commemorate the 80th anniversary of the founding of the Budapest Philharmonic Society. The work derives its name from a small town in northwest Hungary where Kodai lived as a youth. The composition is made up of five dances played without a break. The themes are not original, having been taken from a book of Hungarian dances published in 1800. We continue our program as we present the dances from Galanta by Kudai.
There will now be an intermission lasting approximately 10 minutes. Captain John Yesolaitis and the United States Air Force Orchestra. We heard on this first portion of the program the Ruslan and Lobila Overture by Glinka, the Vinyovsky's second violin concerto in D minor featuring the violin soloist, Herman James Keane, and the dances from Galanta by Zotan Gudai. And finally, selections from My Fair Lady. And after the 10-minute intermission, the concert band will assemble on the barge to be led by Colonel Howard in performances of Tchaikovsky's March Slav, an aria from Francesca Chilea's La Laziana, featuring tenor soloist Staff Sergeant Brown Bradley and the Southern Rhapsody of Louis Hosmer. In just a few moments, we'll return to our live concert at the Watergate. Now we're pleased to present Staff Sergeant Harry Gleason, the announcer, with Sergeant Brown Bradley, the tenor soloist on this evening's program. Good evening, Harry. Thank you very much, Alan. We're going to speak for a few minutes this evening during our intermission to the tenor soloist of the Air Force Band and Symphony Orchestra, Sergeant Brown Bradley. Brown, it's a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you, Harry. It's a pleasure to be here. Could you give us a little bit of your background, Brown? Not that the audience won't hear it again when I introduce you, but I'm sure they'd be interested in hearing it straight from you. Well, Harry, I'm a southerner from South Carolina and uh, graduated from Furman University in Greenville, South Carolina. And then I went to the University of Maryland for one semester to work on a master's degree in zoology. And then well, now, I wait just a minute here. You're a singer. In fact, you've got quite a reputation. Now, what are you doing with a degree in zoology? Well, I started out as a pre-med student, and uh, after four years of pre-med, I decided that I better go into my second love, which quickly became my first love, singing. So from then, uh, semester at the University of Maryland, I went to New York, auditioned for the National Broadway Company of Most Happy Fellow. And being lucky and received into that group, I traveled with them for about six months, and then did some summer stock in Florida and New York, and... Cleveland, Ohio. Well, tell us, what brought you into the Air Force Band? Well, I was in Washington here at Carter Barron uh, Amphitheater, the last stop for the National Road Company of Happy Fellow. And uh, Colonel Weckeser, who is the second command at the base, had a son who was helping with the scenery and different things out at the uh, amphitheater. And he asked me about joining the singing sergeants. Well, at that time, I decided that it would be far too long to go in the service for four years, so I just dismissed the thought from my mind, and then I got a draft notice at the end of a summer stock. Isn't it amazing how they can change your mind? Yes. So instead of getting into some field that I didn't want in the service, I decided to enlist for four years with the singing sergeants. Well, now, as I remember, approximately one month after you came into the organization, you uh, wound up in Japan on tour with the band, having hardly had time to rehearse the music. Tell us a little bit about your feelings when you were over there. Well, I was quite surprised with Japan. I had expected nothing but rice fields and just the most country-type place I could find. And when we got over there, we were all surprised to find that Tokyo, aside from being the largest city in the world, had the most modern subway conveniences, much better than New York City. And also the people were very nice to us, and the language wasn't as much of a barrier as we thought it was going to be. 
Well, now, I think one thing we should mention about uh, Brown, he's going to probably get a little upset with me at this, but Brown's stature has made him, without a doubt, the biggest matinee idol the Air Force Band has ever had when we're on tour. I know uh, the young ladies in towns such as Ashtabula, Ohio, one of the thriving metropolises we've been to, and Alpine, Texas, among the many others, have been uh, quite carried away with Brown. You see, he stands approximately what? Five seven, and that isn't so short. <laughs> I happen to be six four, so I have to look <laughs> uh, at it that yeah. way. Well, Brown, can you tell us a little bit about what you've been doing musically uh, outside of your uh, service commitments while you've been in the Air Force? I think one thing that we should start off with is the fact that this past year you were a national finalist in the Metropolitan Opera auditions in New York City, which is quite an honor among the top five, I believe. Could you tell us a little bit about those auditions? Yes, Harry. They are. Uh start with the Regents, which is held in Washington, and uh, the contestants from Maryland and Virginia, West Virginia and Washington, uh, in Delaware, I believe it is, meet here for a regional audition, and the winner, uh, which is chosen, goes to New York to compete with winners from the other 12 regions. And uh, these 12 singers sing at the Metropolitan uh, Opera House with the orchestra, for the uh, national committee and judges, and uh, three are given contracts and $2,000 scholarships, and the others receive different scholarships that they see fit to give you. I received a scholarship that I'm going to be able to use uh, when I finish the, my time in the Air Force, I hope for nine months abroad. I plan right now to study in Salzburg, Germany. Well, I can imagine it was quite a thrill up there. Uh, were you singing just with an accompanist, or did uh, in the finals did you have the full orchestra? The semifinals were held after we got up there to eliminate several people, and they were held with the piano on the Metropolitan stage. However, the, the primary audition was held with the uh, Metropolitan Orchestra, which was a great thrill for me, and uh, Kurt Adler was my conductor. Well, uh, there's an amusing story that you told me before about uh, Kurt Adler conducting while you were singing. And I was wondering if you could relate that to our audience, if you remember it, the one where he kept looking at you for cues. Oh, yes, I remember. Yes, this was one of the, uh, one of the stories that I was so surprised. Uh, naturally, all the young artists that were up there were looking to the conductors for every possible uh, bit of information they could get as far as the aria they were concerning because they knew very little about it if they were like me. And... Uh, Kurt Adler stopped me once and uh, wanted to know if I was satisfied with the orchestration of a certain part, and I had recalled that the harp in the Air Force Symphony used to play this part, and so I just mentioned that uh, I was used to the harp playing here, and so he got a big kick out of that and sent down for a harp player to play this part. <laughs> so you wound up rearranging the aria. Am I correct that one of the arias you did in the audition was uh, the one you're going to do this evening, the aria from Chilea's opera, La Lesiana? Yes, Lamento de Federico. Well, Brown, I have got to go across the other side of the barge right now to get ready for the second half of the concert. I'm afraid I go on a little bit before you do, so I'm going to have to turn the microphone now over to the announcer here, Alan Campbell. Thank you very much, Harry. We'll be returning to our live concert featuring the United States Air Force Band under Colonel George's Howard's direction in just a few moments. Members of the band are about to assemble onto the barge, and we will be awaiting the introduction to the second half of the programs. The lights in the area of the Watergate have dimmed a few times, 
Some of the audience is returning to their seats and to the steps overlooking Rock Creek Drive and the barge. Some background on the Watergate itself. The colorful Watergate barge is located on the Potomac River in Washington, D.C. and is one of the favorite spots for Washington area residents and visitors during the summer months. The barge, with its bright decor and colorful flags, forms the background for a summer-long series of concerts and symphonies, ballet, operettas, jazz concerts, and special musical programs for the public. It is a facility of the Region 6 Division of the National Park Service under the Department of the Interior. The Watergate Theater sponsors programs which run from June through August each year as part of the half-million-dollar cultural and educational program scheduled by the National Park Service in the nation's capital as a public service. The Watergate Theater consists of an orchestra barge, terraces and steps for seating, and is located along the seawall between the Arlington Memorial Bridge and the overpass of the Rock Creek and Potomac Parkway, just opposite the Lincoln Memorial. There are approximately 6,500 seats for the theater, including chair seats on the lower terraces and about 2,500 seats on the steps. For special concerts, which are anticipated to draw extremely large crowds, chair seating is also afforded on the street level at the top of the Watergate steps. Over the years, many fine musical and theatrical productions have been presented to the public at the Watergate. When the theater was first opened in 1935, the National Symphony Orchestra played its summer series at this location, and performances were scheduled by several light and grand opera companies. In recent years, the Watergate has been used primarily for concerts by the United States service bands. Programs featuring jazz concerts, ballet, operettas, and other special programs have also made their addition. The popularity of the Watergate Theater is attested to by its attendance last year of 242,000 at a total of 64 performances. In addition to those seated, Hundreds of canoes and various other type of boats anchor alongside the barge where occupants loll in cushioned comfort and listen to the strains of music augmented by the lap of the Potomac's tide. Also not counted are the hundreds who line the overpass on the Rock Creek and Potomac Parkway which overlooks the Watergate and those who bring blankets and lie on the grassy slopes. All programs at the Watergate Theater are given free of charge to the public, as are most of the cultural programs scheduled by the Region 6 Division of the National Park Service in the National Capital Parks areas. WAMU-FM and the Educational Radio Network are very pleased to be able to bring you these concerts, airplanes and all, for your summer listening entertainment. And your comments will be most appreciated. Well, I see that all the members of the orchestra and the band have assembled on the barge, and we are now waiting Harry Gleason and Colonel George S. Howard, who will be bringing you the second portion of our program this evening. The lights in the area of the Watergate have dimmed. The audience has returned to their seats and to the steps overlooking the barge. And in just a few moments, our program will continue.
Last week, we announced that the entire program this evening would be presented by the Air Force Symphony Orchestra. However, since that time, a higher priority performance has come up for the strings, and they had to leave at the intermission. So for the second portion of our concert, we will be presenting the United States Air Force Symphonic Band. We open our program with Peter Elias Tchaikovsky's March Slav. In the year 1876, the Poles were at war with Turkey. The Polish cause received a great deal of sympathy in Russia, and the summer of the same year, there was a benefit performance for the Polish soldiers hurt or wounded in the war presented in Moscow. As his contribution to this concert, Tchaikovsky composed the March Slav. Because the Polish cause had received such great sympathy with the Russian people, he included in this march a portion of the Russian national hymn, and this helped make it an immediate success. March Slav by Peter Ilyich Tchaikovsky. And now our conductor, the Chief of Bands and Music for the United States Air Force, Colonel George S. Howard. Colonel Howard.
take pleasure in presenting now our tenor soloist for this evening's program, Sergeant Brown Bradley. Before becoming a member of the United States Air Force Band, he had appeared as guest soloist with every major symphony orchestra in the South and was a member of the National Broadway Company of The Most Happy Fella. Last year, he was a national finalist in the Metropolitan Opera auditions held in New York City and is currently studying under a Metropolitan Opera scholarship. He has chosen for this evening's program the aria Elemento di Federico from Francesco Cilea's opera L'Arlesiana. The aria occurs in the second act and takes place after the hero Federico has discovered that his sweetheart who lives in a far-off village has been unfaithful. He decides to take a solitary walk and on this walk sees in one of the fields a young shepherd boy sleeping by his flock. In the aria he laments the fact that because of the turbulence in his mind, he is unable to find the peace and calmness of the young shepherd boy. Elemento di Federico from La Lesiana by Chilea. And now our tenor soloist, Sergeant Brown Bradley. Oh! 
of a number of well-known melodies from the American South, including some Stephen Foster favorites. For those of you who think that we might be choosing sides this evening, may we invite you to join us this coming Tuesday night at the Capitol Steps when we will be playing Mr. Hosmer's Northern Rhapsody. Southern Rhapsody by Lewis Hosmer. Thank you. 
Thank <laughs> you.